Hi everybody, I wanted to put a preface at the beginning of this episode that some of our listeners may have noticed that this original episode actually aired several weeks ago and was very quickly pulled down. This was because a member of the family actually directly reached out to us to let us know that some of our information was not accurate. It was actually extremely inaccurate. Um, this family member was actually very kind to uh, speak with me and in an interview with me to clarify some of the bad information that was out there. And just due to the nature of all of the strange details of this case, um, the media and news really twisted the story. And I personally was very disappointed in myself for not being able to vet this information properly. I wanted to make sure that we are only presenting information that is correct. And so in conjunction with Christina Keller, um, I have actually inserted her commentary throughout this original episode um, with her consent, and we work together to make sure that we're telling this story as accurately as possible. So my original story is here as I found it when I did my research, and I have included clips where Christina clarified or corrected some of the information that I found. I am so grateful that Christina took the time to speak with me to help me make sure that we are sharing the most accurate story possible so that Marty's memory can be served and his story can be told in truth. So I hope the information that we share in this episode can be clarified so that the true story of this horrible murder and the investigation can be shared properly. If you did listen to the episode the first time it aired, I would really encourage you to listen to it again um, because the insight that Christina was able to give to me was so valuable and it really showed me how horribly the information in this story was twisted. Kat and I never want to contribute to bad information getting out or being spread. So we are so grateful for Christina's time. And with that, here is the episode. together we're all in this together everyone da, 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 da. I don't even know what is that from high school musical and I have never seen that movie that just goes to show I have useless information in my brain that I don't know where I picked it up from okay yeah and with that welcome <laughs> back to alternative interests everyone it's been a while, I feel like. Well, it's been two weeks for the listeners. Oh, that's right. I mean, in those two weeks for them, it's been about a month for us. Oh. Um, I have moved, and I'm so tired. I know, but hey, at least you have more space. So much more space. I'm not in an um, underground bunker like Josef Fritzl. 
Yeah, I mean, anymore. I'm really, I'm not going to miss, I see a new window behind you, <laughs> really not going to miss that, I don't even know, was that's it a blackout? That's not a window, that's, that's my patio door. Oh, look at you, patio door. And it's in my bedroom, so Hello. I'm real safe at night. We're moving on up, moving on up to, I don't even yep. know, see. And I'm, you know, just so that listeners are... <laughs> They know why I'm mentioning this. The only reason I said that I moved is that sound quality might be a little iffy for a few episodes while I find the best place to record in this place. So I want to preface today's episode with a really quick trigger warning, Uh, just that today's episode deals with discussions of suicide and um, it's, it's a a big part of today's episode. So if anyone is sensitive to that, that's going to happen today. Thank you very much. And so today I'm going to tell you the story of Marty and Glenna Durham. Ooh. Have you ever heard of this? No, I have not. I, okay. This episode has a little bit of everything. Ooh, just what I like. And a lot of weird stuff. Just what I love. (laughs) And there's love in it. (laughs) Yay, a love story. All right, so our story starts on May 13th, 2015. Okay. A woman named Connie Ream was worried about her neighbors. Her neighbors were Marty and Glenna Durham. They lived across the street from Connie and her husband, Keith. And normally, Connie and Keith talked or texted with Marty and Glenna daily. It was... Why? They were friends. Yeah, but why are you texting with them daily? They're friends. They're neighbors. They're good friends. That's a little much. (laughs) But I also don't like people or being talked to that much. Yeah, and your neighbors didn't know that you existed for a while. (laughs) That's true. That is true. All right. So on the 12th, Connie, (laughs) I'm sorry. This is one of those weird things. There's a lot of weird things in this case. Oh, I thought you were crying. I was like, are we crying already? No, please just bear with me on this. Okay. On May 12th, Connie had heard two gunshots as she was leaving for work at 730 in the morning, but she didn't really think anything of it. And she didn't didn't think to text her neighbors like she does every single fucking day? No, because... She knew that Marty hunted in the area kind of often, and she figured he was just up early hunting something. So I assume this is a heavily wooded area? It has to be if the gunshots don't concern her. Okay. Where they live, I mean, every Marty had a couple acres. She was across the street, but it's like so country like, yeah, neighbors are like two acres away from each other. Yeah, her driveway is set really far back and his driveway was set quite a ways back his house was set quite a ways back from the house also so it was kind of like I think it was the second conversation it was nothing that she even said like I I reread her very first interview Mm -hmm. with the cops at the scene she Mm -hmm. never said nothing about it then I think when they went back over the next day because her husband was a trucker, and when he got home, they talked again. And, and it was, it was kind of like, I, maybe I heard, it, I was on my way, you know, it could have been in between this time frame, okay. but I don't know. She goes, there's a lot of shooting that goes on around here. It was like turkey season at the time. 
I mean, like, so I have lived in areas, like, my last apartment was actually in an area where gunshots were not something unheard of, and I was not in a heavily wooded area. I was in a moderately wooded area, and, you know, honestly, the neighborhood I live in right now, if I heard gunshots, probably still wouldn't think anything of it. Okay, that's just extremely odd to me, but we can keep going. It's where we live. Anyway, Connie didn't think of anything of it. Okay. But later that day, her husband called her saying that Marty was not responding to any of his messages. So that was their first little, huh, something seems weird. So Connie got home from work and she went over to the house to knock on the door just to check on them. And everything was locked up tight. No one really seemed to be home except for the dog. At one point, she did hear the dog barking and it was kind of coming from the direction of the master bedroom. But that was all she really heard. Okay. And she probably didn't think much of that either since she probably I mean, you knock on the door, the dog barks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a little strange, but still like, okay, hey, that's weird, but not like ring the fire department weird. So she sent a quick text message just asking, hey, are you guys home? Message never got responded to. Keith had also sent like... So he was trying to text Marty. Marty's not answering. So Keith sends Glenna a text message just as a joke, saying, like, hey, you alive in there? And, again, no one's hearing anything back. Oh. Okay. Cause for concern. So on the morning of the 13th, Connie goes over again to knock on the door. Everything still seems shut up tight, just the dog barking. And so she's getting a little more worked up. And so when she gets home from work at 3.30 p.m., She goes over again. She's checking again. And this time the front door is unlocked. Oh. So she walks inside and the living room is a complete mess. I mean, there's broken things. There's paper scattered everywhere. It's a mess. Uh Uh-oh. She continued on through the house to the master bedroom. And she stepped kind of over a mass of blankets that was inside the doorway and finds Marty lying in a pool of blood on the floor. Oh, no. Uh, It was then that she turns around and realizes that the mass of blankets that she stepped over was Uh actually the body of Glenna. Uh, Glenna was pale and she had some blood matted up in her hair. So rightfully so, Connie runs out of the house. And of course, another neighbor, she runs to a different neighbor's house to try and summon help. Luckily for them, there were actually some firemen responding to an unrelated incident in another nearby house. So they were there anyway. Oh, good luck. Right there. Yeah, that they don't have to, like, call and explain. They're just like, hey, we have a problem. Please come with us. So they go to the Durham's home. They enter. They find the bodies of Marty and Glenna. And so at this point, they summon the Michigan State Troopers and because in any situation like this, Police have to come and clear the scene to make sure it's safe, and then paramedics can come in and do their thing. Yeah. The fireman noted that Marty was in his underwear, and Glenna was dressed, but she kind of had a blanket wrapped up around her legs. Oh. So police enter the home, and the Durham's dog, who had been barking, we know that it was in there, had curled up next to Marty's body and was growling at anyone who tried to approach him. Oh, see, I am not a pet person at all. We have all established I have no soul. However, when I hear things like that, like, oh, that it's poor got, like, dog. It's a special little place. Yeah, that dog was just like, 
probably thinking in its head, I'm protecting my yeah, owner that's just, still, that's my and that's my human, and something's wrong, and I'm gonna not. I don't want anyone else to hurt them. Oh right. gosh, that yeah, that touches yeah. my what little heart I have left. Go ahead. <laughs> So Connie was enlisted to help try and get the dog out of the house. Um, I think that it was partially that they asked her and partially that she volunteered. Given she was a close friend of theirs, the dog probably knew her. So it was kind of a, hey, let me help with this. Yeah. So while Connie is trying to coax the dog out of the house, one of the state troopers that was in the room kind of notices that in his opinion, Glenna doesn't look dead. What? So he reaches down to check her pulse, and the second he touches her, her eyes shoot open, she sits straight up, and she starts kind of like fighting against him. Holy shit. I bet everybody in that room was like, ah! But at the same time, like, Connie was in there twice now. The fire department was in there. How has no one noticed this yet? She was probably just unconscious, not moving, you know, when you assess a scene, I think, right away. Although I'm pretty sure you're supposed to check for pulses right away. I don't I don't know how this got missed until okay. now, honestly. Okay. Um, so she was subdued. She was put in an ambulance and taken to the hospital. And Marty was confirmed to be dead with five gunshot wounds. Oh, wow. And back at the hospital, a neurosurgeon confirmed that Glenna had two gunshots to the head right by her ear. Oh, wow. And she was still alive? Yeah. Holy moly. Really quick, just one question. How many gunshots did the neighbor hear the two days before that? She only heard two. Okay. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. Um, so a little bit about Glenna and Marty. Marty had previously been married to a woman named Christina Keller, and the two of them had three children together. They had two sons and a daughter. Okay. Marty had been in a really bad car accident in 1995 that left him with serious injuries. He had the frontal lobe. It was a T-bone accident. He was in a very small car. Um, A big Ford Explorer ran a red light as he was on the yellow light turning. So it hit him broadside, T-bone style. And so, yes, the left... It shattered his left part of his jaw, shattered the left arm. His Mm. pelvis was a mess. And his left foot never worked afterwards. They never determined if the left foot not working was due to brain or the way his pelvis healed. The entire left side of his body had been shattered, and he suffered a traumatic brain injury that was so severe, he actually lost a lot of his memories of Christina and their children. Oh, that's so sad. And I don't know if this played into why they got divorced eventually, but eventually Christina and Marty did separate. He got into the accident, which was traumatic. I mean, they didn't even expect him to live. Yet they're, you know, if he does live, he's not going to have. And I think this is where a lot of the whole memory thing, I don't know if that was just a dig, because when I listened to Glenna's, that that was never a thing. I, Glenna was the very first person to say that in her interview, and I was so stunned by oh. her saying that Marty didn't even remember his wife or his kids. I was like, "What in the actual?" Well, and I could see that. 
Well, yeah. not really, but. Well, I mean, it could have played a part. It may not have played a part. I'm really not sure, but it, it is a very important part of the story that he had this debilitating injury. Like, he was on disability. Oh, man, that sucks. Um, and Glenna had previously been married to a man named Bob Norman, and they had two children together, a son and a daughter. Okay. And so we have a little bit of like a Brady Bunch situation that Marty and Glenna kind of come together. They were married in 2005. And I think at the time that they were killed or that Marty was killed, I believe that both of their children were all kind of grown up and not living with them. Okay. So in 2010, Glenna actually became Marty's caregiver because his health was declining, a direct result of the injuries related to his accident. And so as part of his disability, Glenna was actually paid by the state to provide care services to him. Okay. So additionally, the couple was described as very private people, and Marty especially was very wary of strangers. Was that just because of his accident and his brain injury? or It would not surprise me, but I didn't see anything that really explained why. Okay. Just that they were private people. Marty was wary of strangers. That was really well, the extent. And I guess everyone is to a certain degree wary yeah, of strangers. Yeah, it just so. seemed like that's a odd that they more. would just make it. Uh, they would comment on that. But back to the crime scene. Um, the police at first are thinking that this couple has to have been shot by an intruder of some sort. Like some sort of confrontation happened here because they didn't have a weapon. Like, yeah. there was no weapon found. It made the most sense that this, especially with the state of the living room, their first reaction was, okay, maybe this was a robbery gone wrong. And Makes after sense. all, with both of them shot so severely, how could they have, like, hidden a gun, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately, that idea quickly became less and less probable the more evidence they found in the house. So... First of all, there were spent bullet casings on the bed plus one unfired cartridge on the bed, which oh, is weird. Yeah. On the floor of the bedroom was a key to Marty's gun safe. A little weird. Uh-huh. And after searching the home, in the living room, under a love seat, they found a Ruger revolver that was just chilling there, which was later tested and determined to be the gun that shot both of them. And was the owner... It was Marty's gun. Yeah. Okay. Um, additionally, Glenna's blood was found on items in the living room and kitchen, which is a little strange when she was found on the bedroom floor. I mean, couldn't she have been, like, shot or assaulted in those places? Uh, she could have been, but given that it was a head wound, like, I didn't get the impression that there were any, like, drag marks in the house, if that makes sense. Okay. It was like she, it almost looked like she was shot where she was found. Okay. We we were told right from the beginning, the only way they would describe it is there was, and this is how Detective Johnson described it to me. It was, there was no intruder involved. It was a domestic situation. I said, so you're telling me that Glenna did this? I'm telling you, Mrs. Keller, that there was no intruder involved and it was a domestic situation. They would never say Glenna did it. But he told all of us there was no intruder involved. They told news that there was a domestic. That's how it was aired on the news that night. The neighbors have not 
had not been warned of any intruder or any issue. It was a domestic situation, and there's no, no reason for anybody to be concerned. An autopsy performed on Marty determined that the gunshots were at close range, and they, um, some of them passed through his lungs and his heart. So thankfully, it actually sounds like Marty did not suffer for long. Which, well, I guess that's good. I mean, he suffered, but thankfully, I think it was quick for him, which is a small consolation, but at least we know that it, this was not torture for him. And how many times was he shot? It was Five. determined? Five times. Okay. Marty did not die instantly. That man moaned. He had to have, because this bird moans. He does a very painful moan. And that's the only thing that I can think of. Plus, like I said, I can see the pictures of Marty. He scrunched blankets up to his chest to stop the bleeding and stop the pain. So we always thought all the way up until the trial Mm -hmm. that Marty was shot five times. But it was only four. So none of that was released. We all said five times. That's what the autopsy says. Shot three times, two times in the chest, one in the back. And one in the wrist. Okay. So five shots. Until trial. Then the autopsy the coroner says the fifth wound was a defensive wound. It went through his wrist as, say, he's putting his hands up, but not all the way up, but chest high, like hand got up, went through the wrist and into his chest. And so his manner of death was ruled a homicide. And... Police learned through their investigation and interviews with neighbors and friends that Marty would keep the doors and windows locked up tight, and there was no signs of a break-in. So now investigators are kind of really throwing out the intruder theory. Yeah, it's had to have been someone they knew or someone they invited into the home willingly. Right. You know, so it was never, it was never discussed as a intruder ever, but it sounds better to say that. It doesn't sound interesting to say the truth. Family and friends also said that the couple argued quite a bit. I mean, at this point, I believe they had been married for 13 years. Oh, yeah. No shocker there. I mean, couples fight. It happens. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, But Glenna would make comments and jokes about waiting for her husband to die and killing him for his money, which... I'm looking at you, and I feel like that's probably stuff you've said about Kyle. Well, I I was going to say, like, if he had money, I would probably make those jokes. Not that yeah. he – do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I we joke around – but I don't really think I have ever said – That you would kill him for his money. I could yeah. see you saying waiting for him to die. I could see that too. But – um, apparently Marty's daughter said that Marty would just laugh at those comments. So it was I'm like sure they both would. Yeah. 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 Glenna would also comment that Marty was a pain in the ass to take care of and she would just kill him one of these days. Oh, that's a, li- that's a so little much. So the first much. half of that statement, like, oh, he's a pain in the ass to take care of. I'm pretty sure every wife in the history of the world has said that about her husband. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, she would just kill him one of these days is... When neighbors and family should probably be in, like, uh, hey, Glenna, what's up with you? you yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of a little much. Yeah. 
So police did a canvas of the neighborhood, obviously, and four people mentioned that police needed to interview somebody named Bud. And that's not the Bud. first time Bud comes up. Okay, who's I'll this talk, guy? I'll talk more about blood, b- blood, blood about Bud in a minute. <laughs> okay, this part, like I said, there are some weird things in this case. Here's another one: the day after Marty and Glenna had been found. So this is literally like May fourteenth. Okay, Marty's children used a credit card to break into the home. And in my opinion, this house is a homicide scene. I'm pretty sure it was still like a secured crime scene at this point. Okay. And his kids just go rummaging around the house. Why? I, I want to know what they were looking for. I could not find what they were looking for. And the way they described it, you know, once we're done, and that's what Marty's dad said, he's like, they told his dad that once we're, once we leave here, we have no, it's not our crime scene anymore. It's not our house. You guys are going to have to be responsible to take care of any valuables. I know he's got a safe in there with money and guns in it that you guys need to take care of. And this was told to the dad, Marty's dad, and and my kids. They were, like, lost. Like, this was the last place their dad was. They don't know what to do. Like, I'm going to clean this up for dad. Yeah. That's what they were saying. I'm going to clean this up for my dad. I don't even think they really fully understood that he was gone yet. Because they hadn't slept. Because Justin went in one way and Jason went in the other way, literally immediately, because they didn't know the situation, my son, Jason, called Detective Doyle and was like, look, I went through the back door. My brother did not know the back door was unlocked. And yes, he used a credit card. It's all in writing that my son called to tell him that. You know what I mean? Like they called to let him know and... We found some letters, so you need to come over here and get these letters. On the living room floor, in an open safe, they found a manila envelope marked, it's supposed to say personal, but the spelling was wrong. It says personnel, Jean Wairanga, and this was um, Glenna's mother. The last name, her mother's last name is Wairanga? W-I-E-R-E-N-G-A. Okay. I'm... I haven't heard it. I've only read it. It's probably wrong, but you got the point. It was addressed to her mother, Jean. Inside the manila envelope were three additional envelopes addressed to each of her two children and her ex-husband. And they were letters. And to her her ex-husband, she wrote, please take care of our children. To the children, she asked them for forgiveness. She said, I'm sorry, but I love you. And so sorry I've been a disappointment to you these last 12 years or so. Please forgive me. You're one of the best thing I ever did. Love, Mom. And this was to her children, and her children are not the ones that broke into the house with the credit card. Correct. And those were just laying there unopened, or do we know if her stepkids read that too or found that? Okay, so Marty's kids called the police. I'm pretty sure they read these letters. Okay. There sits an envelope, a big, gigantic manila envelope that had Glenna's mom's name on it. My kids know her mom's name. Yeah. They thought it was weird. Yeah, my kids opened it, and like when they opened it up, you could see three envelopes in there. One said Laura, one said Eric, and the other one said Bob Norman. And my kids were like, what the fuck? So, yeah, they opened them up. This is, they don't know where Glenna's at. 
They don't know what happened to Glenna. They know their dad is dead. Glenna could be dead. They don't know what's going on until they open those letters. And it kind of was like, holy shit. I think she killed my dad. And I got the first phone call from my daughter, and they were waiting for the detectives to come get the letters. Police follow up on this, and they talk to Glenna's children. And they learn from Glenna's children that there was some money missing from the house from a safe their mother had. Oh. And so the police go back to the Marty's children and they ask about the money because this is kind of like, oh, maybe, maybe this was a robbery. Yeah. Like this is going back. And so the kids go, well, we found $1,500 in the safe and we just kind of took it. And the police are like, um, what? <laughs> and and they were like, okay, so um, when you came and you told us about the letters you found, why didn't you mention the money you found? Uh, yeah. Their response was, you didn't ask. <laughs> or what they were really thinking was, because we wanted that money, we didn't want to tell you about uh-huh. it. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. So their mother, Christina, said that uh, they, quote unquote, they messed up. Oh, they the cops or the... The, the kids. kids. Okay, okay. Basically stealing from yeah. a crime scene. Yeah. Breaking into a house. Yeah, it's just that weird and shady to me. Yeah, very. And no, the kids did not steal steal money. It was an envelope. I sent you a picture of it. Yes, I Marty had that. a wave runner that he was saving money for. It took probably about three months before the wave, wave runner was even ready, but my kids called to get the wave runner taken care of for... His dad. So no money was stolen out of the safe. Maybe the way it was handled, I think I'm going to blame the police on that. Because, yes, the, the police did come back months and months later, actually a year later. So what happened to the money that was in the safe? Oh, shit, really? You're going to make... Because they had... Why they made a big deal of it is because they had to... The way they described it to us was to dot every I... Proved that nothing was stolen. The kids took the money, but I hate that word, took the money. I hate that phrase. You know, yes, there was money in the safe. Yes, my kids put their hands on it. Yes, they took it out of the safe. They did not steal it. It was not for nefarious reasons. Yeah. They did not mess up the crime scene. You know, yes, money was taken out of the safe. Another strange thing that happened when um, when investigations kind of go cold after a little while who always comes out of the woodwork a psychic oh that's right i forgot about our psychics (laughs) so marty's cousin's wife her name was fran and she reaches out to police and she is a self-proclaimed psychic of course and she's marty's friend's wife cousin's wife cousin's wife yeah um so she tells police i need to speak with you They come to her home, and she had a notebook with notes in it. So she takes out her notebook, and she starts reading these notes to police. She said that it was important that they look under the couch or the love seat. Okay. And at this point, remember, that's where police had found the gun. But they had not said that. Oh, interesting. 
She also told state troopers that both Marty and Glenna were right-handed and their hands were extremely important to the investigation. Can I say one thing? Hmm. All of this is something that someone could have picked up just by knowing them, I think. Not, I don't think the love seat thing. Well, I could, like, if I was a psychic and there was a murder and I knew it was in a house, that would be the first thing I would guess. You should look under the furniture. Except everyone knew that they had been found in the bedroom. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, they did know that they were found in the bedroom. I don't think the police had disclosed where they found the gun. Okay. That must have, that must be something that happened to her. I didn't know she was a psychic until all this. That was news to me, but I had not had any contact with her in 20 years. I had not, Mar- by then, Marty and I had been divorced for 15 years, so it was 15 years. But look, she already knew, the whole family already knew where the gun was found because the police left a white, a pink slip in the house that said, Ruger found near chair and living room two bullets found near marty's head you know so we already knew not being told by the police but the police have to leave an evidence tag of what they took from the house yeah so we already knew that there was a gun involved we already knew where the gun was so did fran but she still told the police i just want to let you know she's probably like rubbing her head i think there's a weapon or i don't know how she did it near the couch or chair check their right hand okay they're both fucking (laughs) right-handed we knew that the gun was found by the chair we told everybody fran also stated that she did not believe glenna had anything to do with what had happened and Marty's family was not fond of Fran, even though Fran is part of Marty's family. (laughs) Um, So there's a a lot of inner family drama going on probably right at this moment. um, Drama is putting it lightly, Uh um, which, you know, I get it. Um, Don't go butting in on a serious situation like a murder with your I'm a psychic nonsense. Fact. Yes. Yeah. I get that the family would be a little peeved. Yeah. I think they went too far. They started sending her threatening messages on Facebook, which I think is too much. Like, a little bit, yeah. I mean, family fights, it happens. You don't threaten each other. That's that's a little too much. And no. by October 2015, the investigation was still moving really slowly. And in October, there was a preliminary hearing about some evidence, which um, kind of brought this up in the news again. And there was an arrow left leaning against Fran's garage door with a note that said, you're next. Oh. So the, like the, the online threats are a bit much and then they turn into physical threats, which is too much. Also people never threaten online because that shit stays there forever. Paper trail. And, And it can be totally traced back to you. Be smarter people. Yeah, and that's basically the the extent of Fran here. Just that's it. Psych- yeah, we had a psychic. All right, a psychic she created involved in the case. Created some drama. Okay. Yes, and the detective told us that Fran is trying to say that one of the Durhams sat a a bow, uh, an arrow by their door, written "You're next" on it. Yeah, I saw that. 
but none of my none of my kids or Marty's family killed Marty, so why would she be next? You know, the only the only person that killed Marty was was Glenna, and we know Glenna didn't do it because nobody did it, and the detectives told us. It never went anywhere in the system. Just be careful. Maybe you shouldn't be trying to reach out or don't try to don't try to talk to them because she's trying to cause trouble for your family. That's how we were told about it. So right. October 2015, remember the murder occurred in May. Uh-huh. And we're in October. Glenna was asked to come in to be interviewed by police because she was healing and she was finally at a place where she was um, rehabilitated enough to come and speak with them. Okay. And she had brought her mother with her. And so by this time, police knew that the neurosurgeon who had worked on Glenna, they knew about the two gunshots to the head, but the neurosurgeon, in their professional opinion, said that one, they were not lethal, and two, they would not have resulted in a loss of consciousness. Oh, Basically, Glenna should have been able to be up and moving around. There's no reason she should have been laying on that floor. Do they know how long she had been laying on that floor or or guessed how long from the time that he died? Did they ever say? I didn't get a timeline on when exactly he was shot. Um, Or actually, you know what I did? Her gunshots were determined to only be a couple hours old. Okay. Additionally, Connie at some point in an official statement to police, uh, because she was the person who found them, of course she has to give a statement. She said that between the first time she went in the room and found Glenna and Marty by herself, and when she went back in with the firefighters, she thought Glenna's body had moved. Oh. and But, I mean, that's a very stressful situation. Yeah. So she, in the moment, was like, my mind must be playing tricks on me. Yeah, it would be hard to kind of figure out what you really saw. Like, I'm sure all of that in that instance would be hard to piece together. Yeah. But, I mean, all of this is kind of starting to paint a little bit of a picture that's not making Glenna look too good. True. So they asked Glenna about these letters that she had left that, at this point, they're they're thinking that they're suicide letters. Well, yeah, I, obviously, yeah. Um, she said she didn't remember writing them, and she said the letters sounded like something she might have written to her kids, aside from, like, the I'm sorry part, but telling them how much she loved them was a normal thing for her. She Like, on their birthdays and uh, special events, she would always write them letters about, like, telling her, hey, you're my whole world, I love you, you're the best thing I ever did, stuff like that. Uh, were these handwritten, by the way, or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so- and I'll get to that later when I talk okay. about the trial. She said, so remember, one of these letters was to her ex-husband. Uh-huh. She told police, if I wrote anything to my husband, it would have been kiss my ass. <laughs> so this is her saying, like, I didn't write that letter to my ex-husband, yeah. no. And so they also asked her about some cell phone usage on her phone. They said, hey, okay. t- tell us about that. Because from 3.32 a.m. to 4.48 a.m., the phone had been used five times. Oh, to look up information on Ruger handguns. She looked up information on Ruger handguns? Someone looked it up on her phone. Hmm, interesting. And after the last search was done, which by the way, the the gun that was used was a Ruger 22 gauge single 6. 
Uh huh. The last search was for a Ruger single six. Interesting. After the last search, a text was sent from Glenna's phone to her mother's phone that just said, love you, sorry. Oh, this isn't looking good for Glenna. And Glenna said, I would never have searched that information. If I was on my phone at that time, it would have been to play games. I would have said, I was looking for accessories for him. You scrolling on TikTok. I was looking for a nice Ruger case for him. (laughs) She was not looking for accessories. Okay. Oh, Glenna. Um, She denied killing Marty, saying, quote, I wouldn't kill him because he was all I had. Except she's frequently commenting to people about how he's a pain in the ass and she'll kill him one of these days. And she's not all he had because she had her kids too. Yeah. And this part actually makes me a little sad and it makes me wonder how serious she really was because she said... That she missed him, and she wished that they had just let her die so they could be together. Oh, that's sad, but I have a feeling that she made her own bed here. Possibly. Okay. Uh, The police took this opportunity to ask why she turned the gun on herself. Like, uh, did you feel guilty? Now your husband's gone, and now you want to be gone too? She said, quote, I didn't feel like that until after the incident. I don't know what that means. What? I'm going to leave that open to interpretation. She just said, didn't feel like that until after the incident. Can I take a guess? Can I take a guess? Sure. Your guess is as good as mine. I think she totally planned to kill him. And when she followed through with the act, I think she felt immediate remorse. We we can talk about that at the end because I'm a little bit torn about how I feel about it. Oh, that's weird. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, So we've already had a couple of interesting characters here. We have Glenna first and foremost. Glenna and Marty are a little strange. Yeah. We have Marty's children, and we have the The psychic. psychic. Yes. Um, Remember Bud? Oh, yeah. He's another strange one. Uh, Because one of Marty's cousins named Richard said that Bud was smart and remembered a lot of things. Okay. And so police are like... Honestly, police didn't want to talk to Bud. They didn't think they needed to. Oh, all right. So we've seen this many times where a case takes a long time for any kind of information to come through. The family starts getting impatient, and so they turn to the news media to share their story, to like force police to take things more seriously, right? Yes. So... May 2016, a year after Marty was murdered, there was no indictments. There were no arrests. Basically, nothing was happening. So, Christina, Marty's ex-wife, sent a video of Bud to a news station. Okay. To get their attention on the case, and it worked. This video went viral. Oh, gosh. What was on the video? I'm going to play it for you. Yay! And I'm I'm not going to give any context, but I'll explain what's going on at the end. Okay. It's about a minute long.
So that's Bud. And what Bud is, is happening? African gray parrot. <laughs> after after oh my Marty gosh. was murdered, Bud had an African gray parrot that he and Christina had owned together. And so when he died, she took possession of the parrot. And about two weeks after the and murder. And was the parrot in the home? The parrot starts reciting over and over again. You heard two distinct voices there. Yeah, that was the parrot? It was rehearsing an argument that it heard. The that Okay, I'm still fascinated by the fact that that is the parrot doing both voices. Yes. Because that, that one sounds so real, right? Oh my gosh, yes. That is the Fucking word. parrots can do that? Yeah. Oh my God. That's crazy. And Christina has come out and said that that is, Martin, uh, that is Marty's voice. Wow. And so, so what, is, what is he saying? Because you, some of the parts you can't understand. It's just really like, garbled. But yeah. the main thing that you can hear at the very end is in Marty's voice, he says, don't fucking shoot. Don't fucking shoot! Wow. And so I, I found this video and in the comments, because those high-pitched beeps, I was really yeah. wondering what those were. A bunch of people commented and they were like, that is probably the bird's interpretation of the ringing sound after the gunshots. Uh, yeah. G- gunshots are loud, especially inside a house. And so yeah, that was the idea that that could be the parrot was, imitating did, the noise. Did they ever determine what he was saying in the other voice? I think that there's probably a transcript somewhere. Okay. But this video was shared worldwide. It I was bet. shared on Inside Edition. It was shared on multiple news outlets. It made it around the world. And Christina mentioned that she was alarmed by the things that she was saying. And this bird was repeating it over and over again. Yeah, I would think that was extremely interesting. Yeah, so she, for a year, she held on to this video and at the point when she realized it's been a year and they're not doing anything, she shared it with the news, hoping that it would spark interest and maybe push police to make an arrest because it's pretty ridiculous for a parrot to be a witness to a murder and tell you about it. Exactly. Me and my husband are sitting in the kitchen, eating dinner, turn the TV on. See Chuck and Lil, okay, they did a nice little piece. We don't got no justice. We're waiting for an arrest, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was over. Start cleaning up dinner, and I hear Bud squawking. And then I go to look out in the in the in his room, in the bird room, and I'm like, okay. it's Dave's like, it's on TV. I'm like, what's on TV? He's like, our dining room. Is our birds are on TV? You know that's, and I called Donna. I was like, uh, "What in the actual fuck?" She's like, "Oh my God, Christina! All I did was show them. I just thought it was interesting." I'm like, "Yeah, it's interesting. My phone is ringing off the hook. My bird <laughs> is on the TV." Christina wanted justice for Marty. She actually started a Facebook page called Justice for Marty. That's kind of commendable. I mean, she's trying to. Even though she's his ex. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that? 
Well, that's nice. I'm glad you mentioned that because in the aftermath of sharing the video, a lot of people accused her of just being a spiteful ex-wife. They said, and maybe planting the yes. parrot with that kind of like coaching it. A lot of people said that you must have taught the bird to say that. The thing and is, if I was on Glenna's side, I would totally think that too. Which I kind of get, but at the same time, the bird is saying it in Marty's voice. You. You can't train it to say it in a different voice. Yeah. Which makes it even more like this bird must have heard this. Yeah. Uh, The TV report showcasing Bud's quote-unquote testimony uh, went viral. And three weeks later, Glenna was arrested. Wow. Over just what a parrot. (laughs) Some, Some evidence from a parrot. Well, so... The prosecutor said that the publicity is not a factor. They said that there were some interviews that weren't concluded yet. There was some evidence that the testing hadn't come back yet, and the timing was just kind of coincidental. I think that's an excuse, but you know what? In the end, they made an arrest. Okay. So the trial began July 6, 2017. This is two years after the murder. So I don't know if this is standard practice every time that they get writing samples from people for, like, handwriting analysis. Uh-huh. But this was really interesting to me. And if this is standard practice, I'm more willing to believe handwriting analysis. So they gave Glenna an empty notebook and a pen, and they dictated what she should write down. And they would actually correct her. Like, if she started writing in cursive, they would say, no, you need to write in print. Or if they wanted her to write in uh, cursive and she was only writing in print, they would direct her back. So they were very clear with how they wanted her to write and what they wanted her to write. Okay. They said they dictated the letter to her son 20 times. So she wrote this letter 20 times. Uh Uh-huh. The letter to her daughter 10 times. And the letter to Bob 20 times. And what did they determine? It was her handwriting on the original letters. Wow. And it makes a lot of sense to have her write it so many times. Because if you only had her write it once, you can change your handwriting for one time. But over 20 times? Yeah, you would pick up this, you're kind of like your same. You uh, would fall back on your muscle memory. Yeah, uh uh-huh. So now we haven't really found a motive in all of this. Like, we we heard a little bit of one, like, Glenn is taking care of Marty and she's tired of it, but that seems like a weak motive, right? Yeah. Well, there's a bigger motive. Glenna Uh-oh. had a gambling problem. Oh, Glenna! In an interview with police, Marty's brother said that there was a vacation that they had taken together, and he remembered Glenna putting $100 at a time into a slot machine. Oh and my. then lying to Marty about it. That hurts my brain even thinking about it, only because I could never imagine just casually putting in $100 bills into a gambling machine. And then losing it and having to <laughs> Yeah, and then and being okay with it and putting more in. Yeah, no, that I can't do that. Yep. Gas station employees said that they would see Glenna come in three or four times a week buying $100 worth of lottery tickets at a time. Wow. So she is, she's playing That's a more lot. than a problem, yeah. 
Marty's son told investigators that to his knowledge, Glenna was in charge of the couple's finances and Marty trusted her completely to take care of the finances. Wow. And, you know, that kind of makes sense to me that if his brain injury is as serious as they made it sound, he might not have the short-term memory to be like, did we pay the mortgage this month? Did I pay the power bill? Is this taken care of? So give it to his caregiver. That is what she's being paid for. Yeah. So Glenna was hiding the extent of their money issues from Marty, but the truth was that their home was in foreclosure. Oh, did Marty know? Well, so about two weeks before the murder, one of Marty's relatives called him and said, hey, there's a notice in the newspaper saying that your house is in foreclosure and there's going to be an auction on it. Oh my gosh, imagine finding out that way. Well, so Marty gets a copy of the newspaper and he brings it to Glenna. He's like, what is this? Yeah. And Glenna looks at it and she goes, no, that can't be right. Like I have taken care of things. I'm going to call the newspaper because that is obviously a misprint and they need to change that. But wouldn't you know it, the date of the auction was May 13th. May 13th. Oh, is that the day that he was shot? Yes. <gasps> and dun, they dun, were dun. they were indeed in foreclosure. Oh, they so. had not made payments in at least a year, and they owed $48,000. Ooh, that is quite the motive right there. And that's just in back payments. Wow. How uh-huh. do you keep that a secret for a year? Honestly, yeah. Holy so, moly. In the mess of their living room, remember I said there were some broken things, there was papers strewn everywhere, Um, papers confirming the foreclosure were in the room. And so prosecutors concluded that Marty must have found that documentation and confronted Glenna about it. Like, she could not deny it at this point. It's not just a newspaper article. This is actual documents from the bank in our home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she couldn't hide it anymore, and then she probably panicked, and that was it. Possibly. Um, Some people argue saying that Marty had to know, kind of like you said, like, how do you keep that a secret? Yeah. I really don't think Marty knew, because Marty had been making some improvements to the home over the last several months, nine months before the auction date and his subsequent murder date. He had built an addition on the garage that was his man cave. And it had all these, like, built-ins in it. It was a really nice room. Six months before the auction, he had built a really nice deck on the back of the house. Two days before he was murdered, he was painting the bathroom. Oh. Like, you don't paint the bathroom when you know your house is being foreclosed on. I know. So... Uh, Unless they were getting ready to file bankruptcy and sell, or you don't even do that then either, I guess. Um, I think I guess you can't sell it. You can't sell it yourself. The bank has to. Okay. I think once you get to the point of actual foreclosure, I don't think bankruptcy is an option. You have to do that before. Okay. And the whole foreclosure process takes a long time, which is why they were a year behind in payments. Like, they give you an opportunity to try and make things right, but... At a certain point, it's not happening. Yeah. The defense tried to suppress the cell phone data, including the searches um, and the text message activity that was showing that it was really likely that Glenna was using the phone. Yeah. 
And some of those searches were like safety recalls and how to use it and uh, general manufacturer information on Ruger single six shooters. That's that's not yeah. That was really telling, right there. Uh huh. I wonder if she looked that up before or after she shot him. I think it was before. Like to figure out how to pull the trigger or how to make it look like an. I like. What, do we know? Not, it? not how to make it look like an accident. This was all strictly information about the Ruger. So, this this actually might answer your question. Okay. The prosecution shared this information about how the Ruger worked, and this is very telling. So basically, this gun was a single action revolver. All of our gun people know what that means. You don't know what it means, so I'll explain it to you. No, yeah. Basically, that means that after every time you pull the trigger, you have to manually cock the hammer back before you can pull the trigger again. Oh. That means in order to shoot Marty five times, she she had had to to cock the trigger, pull. Cock the trigger, pull. That's a lot of work. I need one that's automatic. Yeah, she did not do that. Um, Additionally, to add one more layer to this, in the living room, there was a pillow that had two gunshot holes in it because Glenna had used it to silence the bullets. Oh, I thought you were going to say practice, but that makes more sense. Because <laughs> no. why would you practice with him there? Like, oh, I'm just shooting this gun. Just hold on. Man, that is the biggest red flag if I have ever heard. <laughs> if I walk in and my husband is casually shooting into a pillow I'd be like, so uh, I'm going to go stay with my sister. (laughs) Hold on. I need you to wait out there. I'm just looking up some directions. Bang, bang. All right. (laughs) I'll be be right out in two seconds. Um, So what that says is that in order to shoot him through the pillow, she would have to cock the hammer back, yeah, the pillow, aim the gun, and then shoot. And, you know... I I have a lot of experience with guns. I have over 20 years of experience with guns. I don't think I could cock a revolver with one hand safely. Yeah, I couldn't, for and sure. And so I don't think she has that much experience, which means that she would then have to put the pillow down, cock the hammer again, pick the pillow up, place it, aim the gun, and shoot. Yeah. That uh, was, yeah. Because the, the pillow was shot through twice. Yeah, I couldn't do that. Yeah, so... This gun, like I said, was a 22 gauge. Um, not 20. It was a 22. It took 22 bullets, um, and those are very quiet in general. I mean, it's a gun, so it's still noisy. But well, yeah. Generally, it's pretty quiet for a gun. And so I think that the gunshots that Connie heard possibly may have been the two that Glenna put in oh, her own the, head. Oh. So she cocked the bullet, too, to shoot herself as well? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a lot. Can you, can you imagine? That's why I'm very torn about how I feel about this. Yeah, that's a lot. Because, and I guess we can talk about this now, because I think, and this is really hard to say, because I really don't have any basis for this, but in order to go through all of that work to shoot herself twice... I think that she really did want it. Like, this was not just her trying to set up, like, fake hurting herself. I think she really did want to die. I I think so, too. You cannot go through that much trouble. I think she just 
did it wrong on herself, I guess. And the problem is that based on the description of where the bullets entered her near her ear, I think that because it was a 22 caliber bullet, um, she aimed at the thickest portion of your skull. Uh, and unfortunately, I just don't think it had enough oomph yeah, to get gosh. through her. And to mess it up and then to do it again, yes. that, that, that's some determination there because I don't even think I could – I mean, I guess it depends on. I can't never. I mean, say take never, it right? as a sign but, from whoever that you're not meant to after the first time. I, yeah. So yeah. that is why I feel like she really did intend on doing this, and when it didn't work in the aftermath, she tried to backtrack and say yeah. that no, I never wrote those letters. I never did this. I never did that because it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So. The jury deliberated for eight hours, and on July 19th, 2017, they came back and found her guilty of first-degree premeditated murder. Wow. On August 28th, 2017, she was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. And so, obviously, what happens when people are sentenced to life in prison? They appeal it. Yeah. And the her defense tried to say that the cell phone data was hearsay. How could that be hearsay when they have it in like... So I did not know this. I'm learning all sorts of things with this. Apparently, hearsay does not always apply to this person told me that. It applies to statements, written or verbal, that are assertions which oh. means that there are opinions that can be interpreted one way or another. Yeah. But the titles of websites are not opinions. They're facts. Yeah. So if I was to say Glenna looked up information on how to use the gun, that's an assertion. But if I say Glenna searched manufacturer's warranty on such and such a gun, that's a fact. Because I am I am just reading the search term she put in. So the court said, um, no, not hearsay. And so the defense doubles back and they say, okay, well, if they're not assertions, then they shouldn't have been left in because they caused unfair prejudice. Yeah. Well, the court said, um, no, because the prosecution had to prove that she had premeditation as a part of first-degree murder. The search evidence was evidence that proved this was premeditated, so it did not cause unfair prejudice. Oh, okay. So basically her appeal was thrown out, and they said, uh, no, she's still guilty. She's still serving this time. I I think she's still guilty. Not quite sure that it was, I don't know. I think she's like, I fucked up. Here's my chance to kill him. I'm going to kill myself too. But that plan just didn't work out. But that's still premeditated murder. No, I think in the moment, like, sh- like she knew, she saw the papers, you know, or he. Except, except the search terms prove that she needed to know how to work the gun. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, because then she had to think about it. And, mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And also, um, I learned this listening to, I believe, Jensen and Holes. Um, premeditation can be in the moment. Oh, you know what? I've heard that too. Um, And it all comes down to like your state of mind at the moment. If you have 
another option to not kill the person, then I believe it still counts as premeditation. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you have enough time to like think the consequences through. Yeah. Right. Even if it's yeah. like a split second, I am choosing to shoot you. Yeah. There's still time in there to be like, um, I can shoot you or I can run. Yeah. And if I shoot you, like, yeah. That makes sense. And then from there it comes down to the circumstances of like, were you in danger? Da da da. Okay. Okay. Um, so as of today, Glenna is serving life without parole at the Huron uh, Valley Glenna. Women's Correctional Facility in Michigan. Uh-huh. And I found two bits of inform- interesting information on her inmate record. She okay. has several tattoos. Uh, oh. Just two of them I thought I'd share. Okay. One of them is Marty's name on her left hand, mm-hmm. which that's you go nice. like, mm, that's cute. I don't know how I feel about that because she shot him. Well, is it on the hand that she shot with? She's right-handed and it was on her left hand. Does the other hand say Die. Ah, um, no, but, <laughs> but what? But there's a tattoo on her right shoulder. Uh huh. And it says, "Property of Master D." Wow, I thought you were gonna say no regrets, but that <laughs> that is weird. I'd like to know who Master D is. I would like to beat Master D if Master D, whoever they are, has enough. Uh, Obviously, Master D has some skills that you want to commemorate on your Either right that shoulder. or Glenna is someone's bitch in there. That's what I'm guessing. And Master D has some skills. If, if wherever I am, I guarantee you something has to be really good for me to get a tattooed on my body. Their name. Okay, but that I think you're taking this the wrong way. That is not that is not Glenna saying, "Look, I've it's not cute." That is Master D putting a stamp on you, saying, "Stay out of my woman's business. This is mine." They can't do that. Yes, they can. Not no. Glenna would have to approve it. No, you're in prison, and Big Master D comes (laughs) to you and says, "Get the fuck on the floor. I'm gonna. I'm gonna." stamp you as mine are you well, really gonna fight master d I, no i would really like to meet master d <laughs> and see how tall she is because i'm only assuming we're talking about a she because they are in a woman's prison if that's what this is from i mean for all i know this could be like a crazy drunk 18 year old glenna made a mistake one night i don't know <laughs> oh my gosh could you imagine your child coming home <laughs> with that t- that tattoo i would be like oh fuck me oh given uh, ideas to yeah, your children uh, oh my gosh i would be like out of all the mistakes you could make <laughs> oh man so that's uh that is the very sad story and very strange story of um the murder of marty durham that is sad. Um, I wonder, do, do we know if the neighbors still were friends with her afterwards? They were awfully close, so I'm just wondering, did I they mean, still I text don't... every day? Uh, hopefully she doesn't have a phone, but I don't know that I would want to be friends with my neighbor. I I would want to... Say no, I wouldn't keep in touch with them, but people would want weird. to say. 
Yeah, people are weird, though. Like, I mean, oh, I'd be like, I shot somebody. Stop talking to me. Yeah, was oh, our- so, so you're saying that if you were in Glenna's position, you would be like, I'm trying everything for people to stop being my friend. Yes. <laughs> what does a woman have to do for yeah. some peace around here? <laughs> I'd be like, do you get it? I, like... I'm crazy. Don't associate with me. You Uh, went the opposite direction because I would be like, um, I really don't want to be friends with someone who does that. And I would be like, I hope they don't want to be friends with me anymore. Man. Uh, That's funny. Good times. So, you know what's funny about this conversation is that I feel like from the listener's perspective, you and I are flip-flopped right now. Oh, that's true. I feel like usually I would be the one that's like, hell, I'll I'll kill someone to get people to leave me alone. (laughs) Don't test me. I really think that I am an extrovert. No, I feel like I am a true introvert trying to present as an extrovert maybe when when really i don't want anything to do with that or anybody yeah i'm not sure what i am i'm i'm kind of a mix like i play well with others if i get along with them but like i'll also sit in the corner and i'll judge you until i decide if we're going to get along or not true and i like TikTok and like two other people. However, yeah, I think I present as an extrovert and everyone thinks, oh, she is very social and outgoing when the introverted part of me is constantly just screaming in my head. Like, let's go home. When are we going? I want to go home. Let's go home. I want to be alone. (laughs) And you know, Uh, my my inner voice says that as well. Yeah. I entertain her often. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? You want to go home? Let's go home. Let's go home. (laughs) You don't want to go out today? Let's cancel plans. Let's let's not go out. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll give you a whole lot of two weeks of nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll see how you feel next time we meet up. I'll probably feel fantastic. All right. We will see everyone soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks again to Christina for talking with me and giving me so much more information and insight into everything that happened with this case. Um, I will be posting the entire conversation that I had with her in a separate episode shortly, so please keep an eye out for that. Definitely listen to it because she shared so much really good and really crazy information with me. Uh, More information about what led her children to go into the house where the news reported it as a break-in and uh, information about how she and Marty met. And uh, if you love love as much as we all know Kat does, you will love the story. It's actually very cute. 
And um, I think my favorite part of the interview was we actually learned who Master D is, and I was shocked. So please go listen to the interview. I really enjoyed speaking with Christina. I'm so grateful that she took the time to work with me to make sure that we could get a really great, informative episode out. And I hope that everyone really enjoyed uh, the interaction and the information that we shared here. So thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you in two weeks. Bye.